Welcome to the old school meeting of Overeaters Anonymous, which features speakers with long-term abstinence. This meeting was born online, and it's going to stay that way. That means you can attend live on Tuesday evenings at 6.30 Pacific if you'd like to. Go to the Los Angeles Intergroup's webpage at oalaig.org for login information. And now, our speaker. My name is Sherry, and um, I'm a compulsive eater. It's really, really nice to be here with you all. I've been to this meeting a few times before, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and um, thank you, Stacy, for inviting me to share. I really appreciate the opportunity to serve. Thank you all for being here. And I, it's ridiculous. I've been in OA a long time, but I always get emotional. Thank you, Overeaters, and this for my life. Um, I came to the program in December of 1989. I struggled all through the, that particular series of holidays and into the new year, and I became abstinent. I got abstinent through the program with the help of my beloved sponsor in Michigan, who's still a very good friend of mine, in April of 1989, and I've been able to maintain abstinence from compulsive eating and um, a healthy um, weight since that time. Um, before I came to OA, um, I, I mean, I was, a, I was a you know, legitimate compulsive eater from the very, very beginning. My dad used to take family movies like on a reel um, long before, you know, remember when handy cams came out? And of course, now we just take movies on our phones. But my dad took family movies on, on a an actual film on actual film. And um, I have family home movies of uh, at least one time I remember I was a toddler and my mom was leaving the house and she was dressed up in this gorgeous like 1960s fluffy dress, you know. And um, in the movie, she comes out the front door of our house and I show up on the doorstep. And I was upset she was leaving. And you can see me as a baby. You can't hear anything. There's no sound. But you can see me and I'm just like crying, screaming bloody murder. And my mom reaches into her pocketbook because it, it was a pocketbook back then and pulls out a piece of candy and hands it to me. And I'm happy as a clam. <laughs> that just kind of sums it up from there. Um, I grew up in rural Michigan and um, my, we went to my grandma's house every weekend. It was idyllic in some ways because my grandparents had a farm and we literally, I'm not kidding you, used to swing from a, um, a rope swing into hay bales and there were kittens and we had tree houses. And, um, and my grandma was a compulsive eater, I believe. And um, she was not what would be considered a medically sound weight. And she used to cook up a storm. I literally don't even know how someone, I mean, she was an amazing woman, period, you know, but I don't know if someone could cook everything that she cooked to feed all of us, my dad, his four sisters, all of my cousins. It was like an army of people um, descending in, onto her house every weekend, every Saturday. And I remember she put sugar in everything and um, even her chicken pot pie even her mac and cheese. I mean, whatever. I mean, it doesn't matter what it was, obviously the desserts. And I also remember that, um, you know, in the living room, 
you, you know, we congregated at different rooms of their farmhouse, but in the living room, there was a television and we would watch whatever was on TV. You know, my uncles used to like to watch, you know, football. And, um, and I can remember that anywhere you sat in her house, you could hit a candy bowl, which I loved. <laughs> Perfect for me, you know, and in the, um, in between the cushions on the sofa, there were can there was candy in its wrappers, you know? And so like, that was her stash and it worked for me too. So I always say I come by the, uh, the illness, you know, honestly, I do believe that there in my family, at least as a genetic component, my dad has always been a compulsive eater. He and I used to go on diets when I was a teenager and I was in college and it's just, um, you know, the insanity of the disease. What, what can I say? I mean, up until when I was a child and when I lived at home, I, it was kind of just a joke that, you know, my mom would say she, I'd come home from school and she'd be down in the laundry room or whatever doing, you know, laundry. And she said she could always hear me like tiptoe sneaking into the kitchen to get candy and sneaking back into the to watch TV. And um, it hadn't turned into a living hell at that point. You know, it was just I was just I just ate a lot of candy. And I just ate a lot of food. And um, and in my family, especially with, you know, my dad, my dad was a big eater. And my mom was a restrictor, I believe. You know, she's one of those people that would take one bite of a dessert and then like, I actually don't know if she was, had a food issue. She would just kind of forget that it was there. Like that was just enough. She had a taste of it and she was fine. And I never, like, if I ever just took one bite of a dessert, it would be like, I'm, I would be like my dog, you know, like when I put a treat on the floor and I tell him stay, you know, like he's fixated on it. Like he can't look away. And so, you know, for me, I felt that really strong, um, the, the mental obsession. And we learn that, you know, when we come here, that it's a physical allergy, that when we have some, we need more, we have to have more, you know, one bite's too much, a million bites is not enough, truckloads is not enough. Um, but it's also that mental obsession and the mental obsession. I mean, I, I actually don't know what was worse, you know, the physical compulsion, the mental obsession, it was all just a living hell. Um, but it hadn't really kind of gotten its grip on me in, in my childhood or even my teen years, because I guess I was quote unquote getting away with it. I don't know. Um, but when I went to college, you know, I was, uh, I don't want to say I was an emotional eater, but I was just an eater, <laughs> you know, it's like, I stole my jaw on the curb. I was gonna go home, you know. So um, I think you know, leaving home and going to college, it was stressful, and um, and I, I was very I had low self esteem. I grew up in a family where you know my dad was a non recovered alcoholic who didn't drink anymore. There was a lot of anger and rage, and my mom, I, who's just I think a brilliant person, um, wasn't you know I think fulfilled or happy enough traditional family house, you know, housewife role. And um, I think, you know, she felt very, you know, my dad was very domineering and controlling. And she, you know, my sister was a kind of nerdy scientist and, you know, retreated into her own world. And it was just, you know, it wasn't a happy home. And, you know, so I, I think I started stress eating very young. And that just got worse when I went to college. Of course, I had like this teeny tiny, skinny, beautiful blonde roommate. And I just kind of ballooned up in college. And um, she would come home and it was just her and me in the dorm room. And she'd say, you know, where are my chips? And I'd be like, I don't know. 
And she's like, you're the only one who's here. Like you had to eat them, you know? But I'd be like, I'm, yeah, you know? So it's like the lying, the stealing, the sneaking, all that stuff started for me then. And um, the, you know, just feeling really bad about myself and um, thinking that I should be able to like, I guess, put a plug in a jug would be the word for it, you know? And I remember one time in the dorm room, like it was, all, I'm sure this is all changed. I hope it's all changed by now. But like the boys floor at Valentine's Day, all were assigned someone from the girls floor and they all gave us a gift for Valentine's Day, which is BS. But anyway, um, I remember whatever boy I got gave me like this huge box of chocolates. And when I got it, I just started crying because I knew I was going to go back to my room and eat all of it, you know, and I knew I didn't have any choice. I was going to do that. And so I, you know, my sponsor, when I first moved to California, she said to me that the real compulsive eating is when you get to the point where you're eating against your own will. I'll never forget when she told me that eating against my own will. I didn't want to eat that box of chocolates. I knew I was going to feel like crap physically, mentally, emotionally, the whole bit. I didn't like the feeling of a loss of control. It was like I'm possessed by a demon or something. You know, I just, that was scary. And I'm a control person. Like I love control. Even now, like I worship at the altar of control. I love it. I have to, that's like one major character defect that I always have to be working on. But, um, you know, so this was just the theme. And I just, I would just binge, hate myself starve some, you know, starve myself for maybe a day, but toward the end, and I got through college like that, I was a pretty good student in college, because I always used to, now I look back, and I think I could get through anything as long as I could binge on the other side, like, I could study for a test, I could, you know, take advanced statistics, I could do the whole bit, as long as once I got past a certain milestone, I could binge on the other side, I was fine, and that's kind of how I operated, I would, like, pressure, 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 and then boom, massive binge and just, you know, pressure release valve. And then I, you know, who knew, who knew when the binge was going to stop? I mean, it probably wasn't going to stop. I got up in the morning and I tell myself back then I ate grape nuts and yogurt. Okay. I'm going to have grape nuts, yogurt, maybe a little bit of fruit for breakfast. And, but, you know, once I had that for breakfast, after that, all bets were off. Like I was off and running. I would be binging the rest of the day. Um, and so um, this continued until I was, I went through graduate school. I was actually outstanding graduate student two years in a row. It says in the big book that the typical alcoholic lives a double life. I absolutely lived a double life. But the only thing is people could see my weight gain, you know, and then I would starve it off. Um, I would gain like 30 to 40 pounds over who knows. I mean, I could gain weight pretty fast. Like it goes on, it can go on pretty fast back then. And then I would, you know, I'd struggle with that. And then I'd finally just hate myself enough that I would be able to exercise or starve it off. And but usually I wouldn't be successful, but there was enough weight gain and loss. People could, you know, definitely see it. Um, and so uh, when I graduated from college, I um, became friends with someone who, just long story short, ended up becoming a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that ultimately, you know, led me into um, getting some mental health uh, help. And then that therapist recommended Overeater, Overeaters Anonymous. And I didn't even go to OA until about two years after that. Um, but that was 1989. And um, when I walked into my first meeting, I heard someone say that she hadn't eaten XYZ binge foods, which happened to be my top, I mean, any, it was food. If it was food, it was a binge food for me. 
it's like, but those were like some of my real trigger foods. Um, and that didn't impress me that much because I knew that I could find periods of, um, you know, swearing off, right. I could have periods of swearing off, but what she said after that was that she didn't even want it anymore. And it had been something like five years for her. And when I heard that, that was kind of like the secret sauce. I thought, wow, to be free of like this, um, it was like I had this chain around my neck. I just could get away from it. And by then I was working a job. I would binge at my desk in my cubicle all day long. I mean, I had a lot of gas. I, I just, my stomach was upset all the time. I would go to bed at night. I'd binge so much. I'd put a pillow under my stomach because my stomach hurt so bad. I'd get up in the morning feeling like I got hit in the head with a sledgehammer because I'm actually pretty sensitive to sugar. Not that that ever stopped me back then. And then I would just do it all over again. Same damn thing every day. Um, but, um, when I started going to OA, things started changing. I started getting awareness of what I was actually eating. I started going to a group that was a set, um, Saturday morning, Detroit, Michigan, back to basics abstinence group, some really solid abstinence. I got my first sponsor. I started going to the retreats that they did. You know, I, I didn't just go to that meeting. I went to several meetings a week. I started getting involved in service and, um, you know, I tried to do it without doing what's recommended here. I thought, well, I'm just going to eat healthy. It'll be fine. No, I had to write down my food. I wrote down, you know, um, quantities and committed to quantities of food for five years. I did that for five years. Um, I called in my food every day. I wrote down my food. Writing down my food initially wasn't even enough. I would still binge. And then my sponsor said, why don't you turn over the page and write down all the feelings? And I couldn't believe just this massive amount of page came out. I just Oh, I won't curse. <laughs> I was angry. I was really angry. And um, I didn't realize I had all that inside. Um, and I had a lot of repair work to do from growing up in an uh, unrecovered alcoholic home um, and just a lot of emotional neglect and abuse that happened in my family. My parents were also neglected and abused. You know, it just the cycle just carries on. Um, and so, uh, you know, coming to OA has just been, um, is. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't have a life without Overeaters Anonymous. It's changed everything for me. Um, everything in my life is possible. I mean, to think that I've had the last, you know, 30 plus years free from that chain around my neck, is just astounding to me. And it's, you know, when I first came into OA, the first five years I was white knuckling it. I mean, I wanted to binge every day and somebody could say, well, then you weren't doing it right. And I, I just don't really argue with anyone about things anymore. It's like, I feel that people are entitled to their opinions. Um, but I know myself and I know my life and I know that I was doing the very best I could. I just, I just used to really use food to get through things emotionally. And so it's very difficult, but I just established for myself and I know everyone doesn't agree with it. But I just told myself no matter what, and I put this little plaque, I made a little plaque for myself. I put it by my bed and it just said, you know, I'm just going to get through the state abstinent, put my head on the pillow abstinent. You know, that's my goal for today. And I did that for five years, no matter what. And it really worked for me. Um, you know, I'm a black and white thinker. That's not super healthy, but it worked for me with the food because it's like, I'm either clean or I'm not, you know, Sorry. I'm either three minutes. Thank you. I'm either getting better or I'm not. And that has continued to work for me um, to have really very clear boundaries around what's healthy food for me. Um, I don't, um, I found over time that eating healthy not only has become very natural, 
but I really like the food that I eat. And I, um, you know, it's like, it does say, you know, we will resist as if, as if from a hot flame. I call it garbage food. When I look at the stuff that I used to eat, it's garbage. I don't want to eat that anymore. You know, it never made me feel good. Never made me feel good about my body or made me feel good physically or mentally or emotionally. None of it. Um, and I used to think, you know, after I got through the white knuckle period, I, I'd say the next five years in OA, I mean, I just did a lot of service. I was really just living my life. I traveled a lot for work. I mean, I was like a young professional. It was just really, I just, you know, I started dating. It was just really, really great. But I kind of, there was this part of me that felt like I didn't really earn my abstinence because I didn't really have anything that difficult to deal with. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, you were only dealing with growing up with this super hyper dysfunctional family, but I really kind of wasn't even aware of just how bad it was that there was so much of this abuse and neglect in my family. But, um, but then after that 10 years, then I got exactly what I wanted because then I really had to earn my abstinence because my sister got breast cancer. She struggled with it for seven years. It became metastatic. It went to her lungs. It went to her bones. It went to her gut. It went to her brain. It went everywhere. And I was one of her caregivers. And she died in um, 2009 after fighting, you know, the disease for seven years. And I stayed through that abstinence. And I had to get extra support. I got myself actually a spiritual sponsor to help me just, you know, get through the stress of dealing with this, you know, situation in my family. And she and I, my sister and I had never really gotten along, you know, and so then there was all that to deal with and just the grief over realizing that our, our relationship was never going to be, healed. it was going to end like, that, you know, so there's just a lot, you know, to deal with. I mean, I've, I've been through other things. I've been stepmom to three children whose mother was an active alcoholic and child neglector. Um, and, you know, I was able to do that for eight years and, um, really, um, proud of the difference I was able to make in their lives. I'm, you know, not, thrilled that the relationship itself didn't survive and that I probably wasn't my best self in that relationship either but I have the humility to say you know that I'm not perfect in relationships and I did the best that I could that I knew at the time and I was a really good solid anchor for those kids and I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that um you know I've I've gone through breakups I've you know I run my own business I have had clients you know come and go I've you know, I lost, you know, six months of work when COVID hit. I mean, my business just absolutely evaporated in an instant. And I, thank you so much. So, you know, I feel that at this point now, I, I feel grateful I've been able to earn, you know, my stripes here in OA. I'm so eternally grateful for everything I've been given. I welcome every opportunity I can to give back. And um, I'm really blessed to be here with you all. And thank you so much.